to the Compliance Plus Ethics Equals Integrity podcast, featuring Barry Dunn Healthcare Practice Group professionals and expert guests discussing their insights into contemporary as well as perennial healthcare regulatory, revenue integrity, general compliance, and risk management topics. My name is Robin Hoffman, and I'm a senior manager in compliance and credentialing in Barry Dunn's healthcare practice group. I am very pleased to be joined today for this episode by two colleagues from Barry Dunn's healthcare practice group, senior manager Mary Dows and revenue cycle manager Roger Rigo. The title of our podcast is Checks and Balances. The concept for this podcast came from a recent internal discussion that we had about the importance of checks and balances or controls within healthcare organizations. In our conversation, we discussed a series of clippings from the United States Department of Justice, which described convictions of individuals who worked at, or in some cases even led, healthcare organizations of all sizes, and these convictions were due to embezzlement, misappropriation of federal grant funds, and tax and wire fraud. Before we get into our discussion, a quick disclaimer. The content we discuss in this podcast is based on our professional experience advising healthcare providers, facilities, and other organizations engaging Barry Dunn for compliance and other services. While we may refer to specific government programs, Medicare and Medicaid policies, and regulatory guidance, we do not speak for any government agency or contractor, nor do we have the authority to do so. Nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice. Anyone seeking legal advice on the subjects we discuss should consult their own attorney. Now it's my pleasure to introduce my colleagues. First, I would like to introduce Mary Dows. And Mary, thank you for taking the time to join us on this podcast. Before we launch our discussion that focuses on checks and balances in healthcare organizations, would you please offer our listeners some information about your professional background and the types of services you provide for Barry Dunn's clients? Thank you, Robin. My name is Mary Dows. I'm a senior manager in Barry Dunn's healthcare and assurance practice area. I work with community health centers and have done so for more than 20 years. And I primarily do financial statement and grant compliance audits, as well as a number of other reimbursement and consulting services for the community health centers I work with. Thank you, Mary. And now I'm going to turn to our colleague, Roger Rigo, who, Roger, we are thrilled to have you join us in today's podcast. If you might please inform our listeners about the type of services that you offer to Barry Dunn's clients, and please share some some background about your uh, professional life prior to coming to Barry Dunn. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Robin, and welcome everybody who's listening. Uh, my name is Roger Rigo. I'm a revenue cycle manager with Barry Dunn. And the services that uh, I'm involved with mostly really involves the whole revenue cycle from, you know, patient access all the way down to when that account goes to zero. 
and everything in between, whether it be patient access, coding, uh, billing, things like that. Um, and then also, you know, the work that I do is not just with health centers, but we do work with, you know, our RHCs or rural health clinics with regular health systems, large or small. So we're working with everybody on anything that you can imagine on revenue cycle. A little bit about me is that I've been in healthcare for a little over 30 years, uh, most recently as a, a CFO uh, with a health center in the state of Wisconsin, was with them for over eight years. So, uh, you know, my experience goes from, you know, government work through health systems, through FQHCs, and then also as consulting. So uh, excited to be here and look forward to talking about our topics. Thanks so much. So our listeners may not realize it, but we had what I would call a virtual water cooler conversation several weeks ago about, about controls. It was actually quite amusing. You would have thought we were by a coffee pot or a water cooler. Mary, when we were having that discussion, you talked about some very important financial controls and you described several for us. One of the controls that you really helped to educate me on was positive pay. And I was wondering if you could explain this to our listeners. What are some of the benefits associated with positive pay, Mary? Absolutely. So one of the most common areas for fraud in an organization, not just a healthcare organization, but really any organization, is through the accounts payable and cash disbursements process. And positive pay is a really good way to help mitigate potential risk and loss in that area. Positive pay is where the organization has an agreement with the bank and every check run that's done, a check register is generated. That check register is provided to the bank electronically. And when the checks are cashed or go to the bank to be cashed, they are verified by the bank against that approved check register. And if the check is not on the check register or if it doesn't match the payee, it doesn't match the dollar amount or it doesn't match, the check number doesn't match. If something doesn't agree on that check to that approved check register, the bank will alert the organization. There'll be key contacts at the organization that can give override approval. They'll be contacted for verification. And if the check is found to be fraudulent, it will be blocked and not cashed. Thanks so much, Mary. Roger, when we were having that discussion that day, um, you talked a little bit about one of the controls that you helped to implement in your former work environment in Wisconsin. You mentioned that it was a cloud-based accounts payable and invoice management platform. I was wondering if you could explain to our listeners, what were some of the factors that led you to adopt that type of a process? And if you could let us know approximately how long did it take to initiate that type of system? Yes, thank you. Uh, when I was working at the uh, Federally Qualified Health Center in Wisconsin, you know, one of the things that really drove us to that electronic or cloud-based way of doing uh, invoices was the paper process. And as everybody knows, you know, we've been doing paper for how many years? And really it's the new thing is we're trying to get away from paper. 
And the problem with doing paper when it comes to getting invoices approved, getting uh, invoices paid, is that the process is limited to however you move paper through an organization. And as many, uh, I'm sure many of you probably are aware that anytime you're doing paper, you know, it's got to go from one person to another. Somebody's got to take a look at it. It's, you know, it's, it's paper. It's exactly what it is. And really what we wanted to do was come up with a better way, you know, to make sure that what we were approving, what we were getting through, we could see exactly what was going on, who was doing what, how long it was taking, and then getting those payments out quicker. Because in the paper world, when an invoice came in, it would go with, you know, go to one of my employees, and then it would eventually be routed out to a you know, department head. That department head then would, you know, have to take a look at what it was, try to figure out was it a real invoice, and then they would sign off on it, and then it would be in our office back to whoever it had to go to. And by the time you're done with that, you know, it could take a couple of days, it could take a couple of weeks, could take a month if somebody was on vacation. And when you want cash flow, that's not a good way to do it. You know, you want your cash, you know, in as quickly as possible or out as quickly as possible uh, because, you know, you want to make sure that your vendors are happy. Uh, by implementing something that was more cloud-based, we were able to, you know, get away from the paper, go to something that we actually could have an electronic uh, fingerprint on everybody who touched it and we would know how quickly it was happened. Plus, if I wanted to know where an invoice was, I could go into the system, I could see exactly where it was, and I knew who to reach out to it if there was any kind of a delay. Um, and then, of course, there's all the checks and balances within it and alerts and things like that. Um, you know, we went with a vendor who was a business partner with the electronic health record that we used at the time. And, um, you know, when it comes to the amount of time it took, it really would not have taken much time at all. It probably would have taken about you know 90 days. Unfortunately, we had a little bit of a glitch between our EHR and our system that we were going with. Not that it was anybody's fault. It was just something within the programming that was missed. You know, so it added about another 45 days. So realistically, we're up and running in less than five months, which really is not bad in this world. Um, you know, going to a whole new system and being up and running, all of our vendors being contacted and everything else. That sounds like a great system. That really does. You know, as we were talking, you know, we're thinking about the fact that the COVID pandemic is subsiding and healthcare organizations are really offering a lot more what I'd call face-to-face on-site health services once again. So, could you speak a little bit, Mary and Roger, to the internal controls that you would recommend for handling cash receipts or processing credit or debit card payments as patients are coming in to any healthcare provider organization? Mary, maybe you have some thoughts you'd like to share about that process? Of course I do. So cash receipts received at the front desk is the first entry point of cash into an organization and also the only point within the cash receipts process that you cannot mitigate loss. So you have to have the best procedures in place to be able to help identify and detect misappropriation of the cash received. It's very easy for that front desk 
clerk to take the $20, flip it into her pocket versus putting it into the drawer and logging in it into the patient record. So a couple of key controls that I've seen in the community health centers that I work with is having, I know it's not great, but the paper receipt logs that actually are in typically triplicate. So when the patient comes in, the log is maintained by the front desk staff. They, they log it in, they give the patient receipt, a copy of the patient receipt goes with billing and another copy of the patient receipt goes to finance. And then there's a periodic audit of those from finance that they go back to the log to make sure that they were indeed documented. We That's how we've had fraud caught in certain health centers. And do not share that log between multiple front desk staff because then we had a situation where they didn't know which of the two individuals was involved because it was a shared log. Again, that's paper. I know, as Roger said, we're trying to move away from paper, but the front desk, um, off that's the hardest area. Another way of implementing a good control is having the payments reported immediately to the patient account by those those front desk staff. But it's important that the staff do not have the ability to edit or make adjustments to those patient accounts that they can post payments only. And then there needs to be a reconciliation of the cash that was deposited to the payments that were posted by the front desk staff by somebody else within the billing process in the cash receipts process to make sure that what the patient received actually made it to the bank. Sounds like segregation of duties between workers and across department functional areas within an organization. Is that correct? That is correct. Excellent. So Roger, you know, what What could you offer to our listeners in terms of a critical high priority kind of um, piece around internal controls for handling cash receipts or credit and debit card services? Yeah, and just to kind of add on to what Mary said, which was, you know, great advice. You know, one of the things that you want to make sure that any of the cash coming in, you know, as Mary had said about separating it between people, you know, in FQHCs, you know, that I've worked in or health systems that I've worked in, we've made sure that each uh, person who is going to be handling cash or handling debit or credit, you know, has their own, you know, like in the, in the example of like somebody at the front desk who's checking in or taking payments, each person has their own cash box. They have their own tracking. It's not a shared, you know, cash box that everybody is going into because then, it, you know, no matter which way you go, whether you're using a paper receipt or you're using receipts through your system, you're going to see where the discrepancies are if it's one person because they have their own, you know, they have their own box. But the one thing is, you know, and Mary had brought this up, it's I'm basically just backing up to everything that Mary's saying, um, is that, you know, within a lot of electronic health records now, when you take a payment, you're actually posting it within the patient's um, record. And then, you know, that receipt is coming out of that system based on the payment that they're taking. And the only person who can really void that payment or reverse the payment, 
you know, depending on how you set up your security would usually be like their supervisor, their manager of the department. So it's not as simple as a person takes in $20, the patient leaves and they can just reverse it. Um, and even if they were able to reverse it, a lot of the systems today, you know, have that um, compliance piece where they see exactly who touches it and when, and when it was touched. So if I, if Mary was to take a payment and I went in after her and did a reverse, you're going to see that in the system. It's not going to be, you know, Mary did it and there is no more um, record of it. It's going to show who touched that record last, which is really the big thing that you want when it comes to um, making sure that things are running smoothly is what kind of, um, what can your systems do for you? And again, we're kind of trying to get away from paper. Paper is still used very often, but it's good to get away from paper as much as we can. And when you do, what are the things that you can put in place? And a lot of it is setting up security levels uh, within systems so that a person just can't do what they want whenever they want. Um, otherwise, you just, you're opening the door to any kind of issue. I can't agree more with you, Roger. I will say that I won't say the name of the electronic health record that I worked with in my prior work environment, but if the average employee could see the kind of literally by the second tracking of who touches what element of a patient's electronic health record, it is so exquisitely detailed um, that, you know, it's it's really, it's an, a feat of modern engineering, if you will, to see that level of detail. Absolutely. So I heard you saying things about each worker should have their own cash box. And as much as possible, if you can use the electronic health records um, system so that payments are logged in as the person is working at the checkout area, or maybe it's even check in as someone is taking uh, a patient's, you know, copay as they come in for their visit, um, that those are really good systems. And then the ability for the manager or a higher level within the organization to do the audit or to do any adjustments is, is a good um, system of controls. Did that, anything else that you'd care to mention about that, Mary or Roger? No, I think you, you know, it's very much what, what we're saying and, um, you know, and Mary with doing uh, cost reports and also doing, you know, auditing, you want as, you want as many uh, items that identify who is touching what and as often, because what happens is, you know, especially in smaller facilities, you know, they might not have a number of people to do a number of the duties. So you need to have as many, you know, checks and balances that it might be repeating itself three or four times to, you know, protect yourself. And really that's all you're doing is protecting yourself. Absolutely. So as we're wrapping up our conversation today, I would like to ask Mary and Roger to each offer our listeners one critical high priority recommendation for any healthcare organization of any size that seeks to implement enhanced controls to safeguard its financial resources. So Mary, why don't we start with you, um, your, your top recommendation. My top recommendation, Robin, really is positive pay because there's been such an increase in, 
activity happening outside of the organization's control where their checks that they're mailing to their vendors are intercepted and another individual is making duplicates of checks and creating their own checks and then having those checks be cashed out of the organization's bank accounts. And if you're not reconciling your bank accounts on a timely basis, that can go a while without being caught and how many thousands of dollars can be taken from an organization's bank account before it's identified and it is, is it all recoverable? And positive pay is the most effective way to combat that because that's not somebody within the organizations doing the fraud. It's an external item. Um, so you can have all the controls you want inside, but you can't control those outside of your organization. And one thing that I didn't comment on when I was talking about positive pay is I didn't mention that there are some inherent segregation of duties that you want to make sure you maintain with the positive pay. The individual that creates the check register that is uploaded to the bank should not be the individual uploading that check register to the bank because then they can document and upload their own fraud. The individuals that are signed up or are provers of transactions, so when something doesn't match and the bank calls or emails, should also not be the person that is writing the checks and doing that check register. So we want to make sure that there are the appropriate different individuals that are separate in the process doing those approvals. Thank you so much, Mary. I appreciate that information. That's great guidance. Roger, what would be your top priority recommendation? You're doing so much work across organizations of all size around revenue cycle. So what would be your recommendations to safeguard financial resources in an organization? Yeah, I would say my top recommendation is checks and balances, reviewing reviewing your internal controls, and really just sitting down and walking through the whole process, no matter which process you're going to look at, whether it's, you know, writing checks, as Mary was kind of talking about, you know, making payments out, whether it's cash coming into your organization, you want to go through your checks and balances, you want to go through who's all touching everything, and then really go through your internal controls, what is actually happening. And you know, you know, with federally qualified health centers, you know, they do an annual audit every year. And that's really beneficial for, for them because they're having somebody come in and review their internal controls and their processes. If you're not going through that, I highly recommend having somebody outside, you know, your organization come in and review your internal controls because you want to make sure that there is no chance that things can, you know, walk out as I will just use that term out of your organization. Um, you know, there's many organizations that are out there able to do it. You know, they can do a quick review, they can do a full analysis, you know, especially in the revenue cycle, you know, assessments can be done and you can see exactly what's what's going on and, you know, the type of work that Mary does, you know, with auditing, those kind of, you know, you can do a quick assessment and take a look at internal controls. And if you have your internal controls as good as you possibly can, you're really limiting the things that can happen to your organization. Then you have the other things that, you know, the positive pay that Mary was talking about and the other, you know, things that you can attach, you know, to your organization. But if you have your internal controls down and you have the right people touching the right thing at the right time, you're really going to limit any kind of uh, issues within your organization. 
So it sounds like a trusted advisor to do an external uh, review could be very helpful to an organization that doesn't have the type of annual audit requirement that, say, a federally qualified health center has. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say with anything, it's always good to have, you know, uh, outside set of eyes take a look at whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever it is. It's always good to have somebody who's not, you know, connected um, taking a look, not because they're going to be able to dig and find something. It's more that they're looking at it from a different lens. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mary and Roger. I really appreciate you sharing your insights. We've come to the conclusion of today's very informative discussion about checks and balances. Please accept my invitation for you to come back for an upcoming session. One of the things that we had talked about when we were around that virtual water cooler was the importance of looking at internal controls on payroll and on benefits in healthcare organizations. So we will return to that for a future podcast. So again, I would like to say on behalf of Mary Dows, Roger Rigo, and myself, Robin Hoffman, we thank you for listening to this episode of Barry Dunn's Healthcare Insights Compliance Plus Ethics Equals Integrity podcast. We welcome our listeners' questions and feedback about the ideas that we discussed during this podcast, and we are very open to suggestions about topics that we should consider for future episodes. Many thanks. Thanks.